Yeah, I, I used to go to the commissary a lot, and this was when I was really young. I was a teenager. Um, so I used to see a lot of people from that period, which was the 70s. So Robert Wagner, Telly Savalas, all those people yes. had shows at Universal at that time, and I would see them at the commissary all the time. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. That's super cool. Yep, it's really cool. Um now, I know you, you were a stuntman. How did you get into that? Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I don't know that I had permission to get into that when I did because since I was 13, and my parents probably would have had something to say about it. So uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, I started doing my first stunts, and um, I guess I just kind of continued, and I've got a background in martial arts, and I, I do a lot of stuff with cars and motorcycles and so forth. So that's kind of how I got started, but I'm doing less and less stunts, I find, um, getting more and more acting roles. I used to do a lot of uh, stunt doubling and then my own stunts, but now I think a lot of the filmmakers that I'm working with are telling me that uh, they need me around for the end of the movie and the insurance companies won't let me do what I used to do as much. But I still like to do everything that I can, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, it just I can kind of understand that, I mean, there's not a single person who played James Bond who wasn't seriously hurt because they had they had him doing some of their own stunts. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I would love to do James Bond. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Tom Cruise is kind of setting the bar very high for everybody to follow because he does a lot of his own stunts. But if you do look at a lot of the stunts that they're doing in not only Mission Impossible but some of these other films, they've taken a lot of those ideas from the Bond movies and then they've just kind of enhanced them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I, I think, like, I'm, I'm such a big James Bond fan, we could talk for hours about Bond. That's the one role, like, and I do a British accent, I, uh, you know, I, I, in 2019, I think I was in London 23 weeks out of 52, so I'm in London all the time, and my, uh, on my mother's side, we've got Scottish ancestry from, you know, all through that area, and so uh, it's always been a series that I've admired, I believe that those guys, personally, are the creators of that kind of stuff, they, they pioneered it, they were the you know, the ones that, that really introduced it to the world. And so, um, you know, I, I think they've done such a great job with that series, and I really am excited to see what's next. Yeah, I'm very curious, because I think Daniel's actually done. Because he, he said done. he was done before, but now I think he he said that's it. <laughs> yeah, well, he's definitely moved on, and I think, um, you know, this is the way that he wanted to sort of exit that character. And I think he's done a fantastic job. He's an incredible actor, and... Um, really brought a lot, not just to James Bond, but all of the things that he's done. Mm -hmm. He's and, a wonderful uh, actor. I'm a fan. I, I think he's just a really great actor. So The first time I ever saw him was in Tomb Raider. And he, right. he let's see, um, he played an American, but he's British. Uh, right. Angela, Angelina Jolie played British, but she's an American. <laughs> and then I don't remember the name of the other actor, but he played British, but he was Irish. I mean, nobody was doing their own accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, fair enough. But the reality is, is there's some great dialect coaches that are out there. I mean, I've done a variety of accents, too, in different shows. And, in fact, um, I did one over the summer where I was a Russian, and uh, like a Russian mobster, mob boss kind of person. I, I speak a little bit of Russian, so that helped. But, um, yeah, we, we definitely did a lot of work on getting those accents right, and I think it's it's important, right? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, if you look at even Henry Kevill, who's got a British accent playing Superman and a variety of other characters, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just kind of the way the industry is now, and sort of 
background and nationality, you almost have to kind of forgive that a little bit and just know you're there to see a movie and see a character. And um, don't be too upset when they're not from your hometown if that's what they're depicting, right? Yeah, I have a funny story about that. Um, I love Hugh Fraser. Uh, the first time I ever saw him was in Sense and Sensibility and, and his, the um, Jeeves and Wooster uh, okay. TV series. Anyway, he was doing House. And he was up for an Emmy, and uh, I was talking to one of the girls at my office, and she's like talking and stuff, and he's he's he makes us really proud as Americans. I'm like, what? I said, uh, he's British, and she goes, no, he isn't. He's an American. I said, no, he's British. He's really British. <laughs> and she's like. Just wouldn't believe me. She went. My father and I worked at the same company. I went to the department he was at, brought him over, and I said, "Tell Colleen that Hugh, Laurie is British," and he did. And she didn't believe him either. She didn't believe it until he won his Emmy. And he was talking in his natural accent, and then she had to come and apologize. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> that that is funny. But it's so funny. I mean, yeah, she just—that's how they make well, you you believe them. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. British people and Australian people do very good American accents. Well, I think it can go the other way around too. I think it's just the actor, and it's a matter, I believe, of practicing. And um, it's not just a matter of being the actor uh, and doing the accent, but I think you've also got to become a character. You've got to mm -hmm. become that person. Um, because even if you look at, at a character like James Bond, I mean, you can do the accent, and a lot of people obviously try to do Sean Connery, but they don't have the swagger or the charisma that Sean had to play Bond, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, I think, how should we say with these characters, it's oftentimes, yes, the accent, you better get that right, but it's also the attitude. And oh, yeah. that's what allows that character to be real. Um, after Pierce Bronson stopped being Bond, one of the movies he did was Thomas Crown Affair. And That's right. the director kept saying, okay, take the bond out of your walk. You're not him. You're <laughs> Thomas Crown. And he goes, oh, right, okay. And like one second, and he would correct it himself. But it was so funny because he had he had got, done it for so many years that he just had to get the walk out of him. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting because, uh, again, Pierce Brosnan is another fellow I've talented. He's got such a diverse um, portfolio of work. And if you look at everything, even from Mrs. Doubtfire up to, you know, uh, even things like the November Man and all of these other things, or Survivor and all of these things, he, he definitely can pull off a lot of stuff in addition to Bond. And I, I think that sometimes people forget that and they assume he's Bond and Remington Steele and they leave it at that. And it's, I don't think it's a fair judgment. Oh, no. He's wonderful. I mean, yeah. um, What's the name of that movie he won the Oscar for? I can't remember. Um, I'd have to Google it. <laughs> he was, um, he played the, like, a hitman, like, he was an assassin, but he was a complete and utter nut and crazy. And I, oh, God, I can't remember the name of it. But it was a really good movie. And he, he absolutely uh -huh. deserved it. It was completely out of his normal character that he usually plays. It was, it was just wonderful. Oh, um, that's cool. But I can't remember the name of the movie. Yeah, I don't remember what he got an Oscar for in that. But I know that he's, um, you know, had Empire Awards and 
Saturn Awards and stuff from, you know, uh, you know, the European Film Academy and stuff. I can't remember what he won an Academy Award for. But anyways, he definitely deserves it. He's a great guy. He's, yeah. He's good at us. He's very talented. I think that it's interesting that people it, – and it always annoys me because people are so talented that you shouldn't put them into a little box. And, and typecast them. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah, true. Definitely true. Um, so you were a stuntman. How did you make your way into acting? Well, I actually started as an actor. I started when I was seven acting in Canada. Uh, I'm originally from Canada. And so uh, the first show that I did, I was seven, and I was a, a, a newspaper boy in a CBC after-school special. Oh. Um, actually, funny as I did have a TV appearance even before that when I was five, there was a kids show and I happened to get a chance to be in the audience, which was really fun. So I did that, and um, you know, then when I when I did the TV show as a seven-year-old, I just continued doing that through junior high and high school. And whenever I had the chance, I would even skip school to get on movie sets. And um, you know, my parents sometimes didn't know, and <laughs> other times when I, I did get something through an agent or someone, my grandpa would take me. So that was really kind of fun. But, yeah, I continued all through that. And then I studied uh, acting when I was in college, and I also went to film school. So that all really came first. The stunt stuff kind of was second. But, like I said, I just loved it. It was um, – it, it's a rush to do those kinds of things, right? Like the adrenaline is just so fun when, when you get to pull off some really unique things, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but – did it ever uh, worry you about the danger? And I mean, even Harrison Ford, who's done stunts for his whole career, he he got he's gotten really badly hurt. Yeah, I I think it's funny when you're talking with stunt people, depending on the stunt, because there's a variety of different categories. Like, not everybody is, you know, hanging on the side of airplanes or jumping off a moving train. I mean, I've done some of that stuff for sure with motorbikes and fire and explosions and all kinds of stuff. Um, when you're doing the more serious stuff, there's kind of a saying, it's not if you'll get hurt, it's when. But, um, you know, the reality is, is you've got kind of a team of people helping you, and so you eliminate as many risks as you can. And I would probably say that, you know, there's more of a chance of a professional athlete, like a football player, getting hurt than a stuntman, depending, again, what kind of categories of stuff they do. Like, I've got friends that do a lot of stuff with cars and that, and yeah, they've had some pretty serious injuries, some of them, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, and I mean, it just it, it. I I can't remember. There was one that they were on top of the car. Oh, it was uh, Zoe Zoe Bell. Uh, okay. She, she was on top of the car on one of them, and and she was she kept. But she's interesting. I mean, maybe it's the Kiwi thing, but she would get hurt and she'd laugh. Well, so, sometimes that's the best you can do, and your adrenaline's so high that sometimes, you know, I mean, what do we say as stuntmen? You know, bleed in public, but cry in private. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've done a lot of the on top of the car stuff, too. I've never had a, a serious accident on top of a car, but it's funny. I did have an experience when I was, uh, again, about 13, where I was riding on top of a car, no safety equipment. I didn't know any better. I was just doing it for kicks, and we were shooting a little video with a camcorder. But the thing that was most depressing to me is when I came back in, uh, I was missing something. In other words, my wallet. And uh, yeah. the night before, as a 13-year-old had been babysitting my nephews and nieces, and I made 30 bucks, and now the wallet was gone, and so was the 30 bucks, and that was really painful for me. Oh, my <laughs> God. 
That's right? horrible. <laughs> it was funny, but it was terrible. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, especially, yeah. you know, a kid, 30 bucks, that's like, you, you, it's like you have a million. <laughs> it was gold. It was, I felt super bad. Oh, yeah, of course. I hope you got your money back. Did you? I wish I could say yes, oh. but it did not happen. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, it's life, right? we got to live with it. Yeah, that's true. Um... So, you are uh, now working as a, both, you're an actor, a stuntman, a producer. Uh, do you find it, uh, is it exciting to do all that, or is it daunting, or is it like a combination of it? It's a combination. I'm not always producing all of the stuff that I'm involved in, so thank goodness for that. Like a lot of the films I've done this year, I'm just doing acting in most of them. So, um, I mean, it's still a pretty heavy job. You've got to not only uh, memorize scripts, which most people think are the heart is the hardest part, but coming up with the characters, right, and and your interpretation of these scripts is often one of the most difficult things. There is some stuff that I'm going to be getting involved in as a producer again, but I personally am not doing very much producing anymore because I've just got so many acting gigs coming through. Now that COVID is done, everybody who was, you know, ready to, to make films prior to this challenge that we all experienced they're ready to go now they've had their money tied up for so long that they really want to get these films out plus all the streaming services are really looking for content because everybody was at home and they watched everything right mm -hmm. so it's really a lot of demand and then the stunt depends on the show so sometimes i'm doing stunt work alongside the acting other times i'm not like right now um the big show that i'm, I'm doing coming up is called how to be a hitman 101 and I've got a lot of stunt stuff in there, uh, and a lot of gunplay, and a lot of fight stuff, and all kinds of stuff in there. And so that's going to be a, a lot of work. And there's some stuff that's even being shot. Well, I got I got to be careful about how much I give away about the show because I don't want to get in trouble. But there's some fight sequences that have very little dialogue in them, and there's lots of gunplay and action to it. And so some of that is just it's just the pure physicality of it, right? I'm not even really having to memorize any cues or, or speaking parts in it. It's just all physicality. And in fact, one of the things that when we're doing fights, we kind of like to compare it to, um, I was just chatting with a friend of mine, Adam Richards, who was at one point in the costume doing stunts for the Red Power Ranger. And uh, he and I were talking about fights and how much they're very much like choreographing dance. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not a dancer per se, right? But when you're doing these kinds of activities, it's almost like you're you're building a, a dance, a choreographed dance between you and whatever partners are involved in that scene. And there's there's rhythms that you have to pay attention to and obviously distances and marks and, you know, speed of delivery on certain things. And then obviously as an actor, you've got to make it look like it's easy. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, it just, just happened. It just, it just came. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, when you're done this big fight, doesn't matter what's happening – you shouldn't be out of breath as the hero. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so Which is sometimes yeah. impossible, I would think. <laughs> yeah, and but, but I mean, we're having fun, and that's the cool thing. But I think the thing that a lot of people forget when they're seeing specifically like a fight scene is just that, uh, um, no kidding, uh, you're, you're doing it obviously on film again and again and again from different angles, and you're trying to – you know, work with a director and there's certain things that he wants and 
so forth. So there's a, a lot of, um, I guess, repetition that's there. And if you, if you think about it, most of us are not used to kind of doing again and again and again with, you know, technical bite type scenes, right? Right. So it can be it can be a long day, and especially if you're doing that for weeks on end, it can be a lot of time just getting everything, you know, right the way that it needs to be done. So it's a it's a big job, but I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, what's not to love? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I have a it's an inch. I'm well, I don't know if it's an interesting question, but I when you're building a character, is it easier to have it based on a book or do you prefer to create your own backstory? I know this is kind of a a weak answer but it really depends on the character is the way that I would say it and um, the reality is is like I've played a lot of cops, gunslingers, hitmen, secret agents, uh, all these things and so with some of that I've got experience to be able to kind of draw on already like I've had conversations with real police officers I've had conversations with real military people I've done some training so that you know I I know how how they behave the way that they you know even hold their gun or procedures or things of this nature so sometimes those things really help because I've got a context that I can sort of relate more to these characters that I'm creating but other times it's something completely new Uh, it was funny I was on another um, media interview not too long ago and they asked me what's easier to play a good guy or a bad guy and my answer is well true bad guys never really believe they're bad guys Mm-mm. right That's they all right. think that they've got you know some noble cause that they're trying to you know to to make happen like if you think even of Darth Vader Darth Vader didn't ever say well I am the bad guy in this story no his whole thing was is they were going to basically restore order to the galaxy and then certainly with his son Luke Skywalker that would be great I this is a father and son job right and so bad guys never really label themselves as bad guys all what, what you've got to find is what do they really want and that's good guys and bad guys that's acting right because mm-hmm. we all are are after the things that are important to us in life even as regular everyday people that's just human and so um i think that you know the question of is it easier to portray someone from a book you know i think it might even be harder because the problem with that is you've got people who read the book and they don't necessarily agree with your interpretation of it, right? Yeah. Like I mean, that's happened to me. <laughs> yeah. The all-time thing is, is anytime there's a religious movie coming out, you've got everybody saying, "Well, that's not what the people or something are," right? So that's the worst. But you know, we even saw what with people. People who were, you know, portraying the hair of the first Bond novel, Casino Royale, came out in 1953. Well, by the time they got ready to make the first movie in 1962, uh, Ian Fleming had done a lot of writing. And so when he they cast Sean Connery, he didn't like it. He thought it should be like a David Niven or someone else. But later he said, you know, I'm glad they grabbed Sean, and, and he definitely grew on me, <laughs> which I'm happy about that, right? Yeah. So I think Sean did do a great job. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean... Everyone's got an opinion when it comes from a book. When it comes from a screenplay that no one's ever seen, we've got kind of a little bit more freedom to kind of do it in a way that we feel um, serves our our interpretation best, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm game to try either way, but I do hope that, you know, when there is a book involved that people are gentle and they understand, hey, folks, it's just a movie, and it's our interpretation of that text. I think that... That's really true. 
I mean, I remember, I was, I'm a huge Stan Brown fan, and I remember when uh-huh. Da Vinci Code came out, and Tom Hanks was cast, and I'm like, hmm, I didn't really buy <laughs> him as Robert, but then I saw the movie, and the way they did it, and Ron Howard directed it, it worked really well, but, yeah. but you always have to separate the film or TV show from the book. I mean, because books are really different. Um, and it's, it's, it's not, it's not a, um, it's, it's just a different medium. Um, it's like, uh, like, uh, I just read a classic book called Miss Pettigrew Lives a Day, and it basically is the same as the movie. I mean, pretty much. But there was a lot of differences in the plot and how the movie ended was different than how the book ended. But it had the same spirit, and I think as long as it has the same spirit, you're cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think, again, it's, it's going to be just individuals will interpret that differently. And I do remember when, when uh, Dan Brown, uh, you know, when they were casting for Da Vinci's Code and everybody was all upset about Tom Hanks. I think he did a marvelous job. In fact, I'm a big, big Tom Hanks fan. I and am, I, too. I can't really what else in that role. No, so, I, um, I actually thought Harrison Ford when I read the book. But, oh, did you? Yeah, okay. that's who I thought. Because I, it, it just seemed, because, you know, Professor, uh, really uh, adventurous. It, I mean, Indiana Jones. Yeah, kind of <laughs> character, sure. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> but, um, but, no, I thought Tom did... A yeah. great job. I mean, really wonderful. He, it was a good movie. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, but but like you said, uh, it's I and and I agree. It's not fair, but it you, you can't kind of help it. <laughs> well, I I think it's just human nature. When we've got something that we really enjoy and we love, it's almost like we need to protect it. And I think we're seeing that also, even with things like Marvel and the Star Wars universe and so forth. That, you know, I mean, I think there's a fine line that those creators need to, to walk because they've got to please the fans as well. And at the same time, they want to be artistic and they want to tell new stories and they want to push the envelope and create things that maybe we've never seen before. But if you go too far, you're going to have a lot of people upset. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you just you just need to kind of be careful with that. And again, I mean, I've been, I, I was going to say blessed that I haven't really been under the scrutiny of those, those kind of things as an actor myself because most of the the characters that I've played are either you know new a new universe or a new kind of thing but I, I know there'll come a day when I do, do end up playing something and I mean I, I'm a big Star Wars fan I'm a big James Bond fan and I, I love Marvel I love DC as well and so I hope one day I do get to portray that but I also hope that the collaboration that whatever we create um, not only serves the fans but adds to that, how should we say, that uh, that mythology around it. Like, I personally, I would love to do something on Mandalorian. I personally, if they're listening, by the way, if they're listening to your podcast, I think there needs to be a character of a bounty hunter that chases Mando, <laughs> and, right? Like, hunt him down. Get Like, throw a, a man with no name kind of Wolverine type guy who's hunting for Mando. And I would love to do a character like that. I think it would be really interesting, right? Well, why not? I think it's Disney, so you got to call it out to Disney. <laughs> well, I guess the other thing, too, is because it is Disney, and, I, and I, I love Disney. I very much do. But I think sometimes, you know, Disney has a bit of a Disney agenda, and I understand that, and I respect that. But there's certain stories I think you, you, you maybe aren't able 
to tell the same way under that Disney umbrella, but because, you know, I mean, it, it, let's say if you had an all-out battle, like I'm really curious to see how Deadpool's going to do with Wolverine in it, right? Mm-hmm. Because I got a feeling that can that's going to get pretty violent, or it could, but you know, that's that's kind of a line that Disney has to be really careful about crossing, which I understand because their primary target audience is, is kids, you know, families, mm-hmm. or half family, so. You can't really put it all up their blood and guts on the screen and expect to have families leaving going, oh, that was delightful. In fact, I think they did try to push the envelope. One that I, I remember not too long ago is that when they did Doctor Strange, um, was a multi-universe of madness, and it was Sam Raimi directing it, and it got a bit dark. And as I left the theater, I did hear families saying, oh, shoot, I, I can't take the kids to this one. But I thought it was a great story. It was, it was fun. They did a good job on it. But there's that balance. Like, how do you... You know, how do you tell those kind of stories in a Disney setting? I don't know. Right? That's and I'm, also, have... I'm also glad I'm an actor and it's not my job to write that, right? <laughs> but, but that's why they have that other um, production company. They, they There's the Disney and then I can't remember the... Yeah, Stone, they, they, like, Stone. they have their a few, but, but the Marvel properties are under the Disney banner. Oh, and so okay. they've got to be really careful how they do that, right? Yeah. But... Um, but again, I, I, I love what they're doing so far. I think there's a lot of talented people that are working there, and they've got really great skills. They've come up with some really awesome ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd love to work for them one of these days, but uh, I just, like, I'm glad that I don't have that burden of trying to figure some of that out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it'd be really hard to do. You don't want to be a producer on that one. <laughs> um, well, a producer's different than, say, maybe the writer behind it, right? And uh, I think any time again you've got a big fan fan base like that like I mean I I, I love what they're doing but I, I I would just be worried that I might um, you know get the fans upset at me ha 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 but but maybe then that's what needs to happen sometimes just shake it up right yeah I mean look what they're doing to Agatha Christie they're changing uh, plot lines and who the killer is so yeah you know things yeah. happen and they're yeah, being so okay by the Agatha Christie estate which really surprises me. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think they want her to be relevant, too, and a lot of people, um, you know, from this day and age, unless you had to kind of read her in school, you probably never heard of her. And so, you know, I, I think to have these sort of, with apologies to Agatha Christie, based on characters she came up with, and new stories and plot lines, I think it's wonderful, and I, I can see why her state is happy about that. Well, yeah, and it's the great-grandson, great so he's a young man, so. Yeah. <laughs> And I would expect that probably what's happening is people are, are discovering that, and then they're going to read the books, and they're finding that power there, the really great stuff that Agatha Christie did create. I know that that's what happened in the James Bond world, is when the books came out, or the like the books came out, some people didn't know, but when the movie came out, they then read the book and had another experience that was sometimes very different. Like, I, I don't know how much you want to get into James Bond, but I love James Bond. But if you look, look at the original novel, Behind the Spy Who Loved Me, it's actually not even the same story. It's no. about actually a, a girl that is trying to flee for her life, and James Bond doesn't even appear until the end of, of the novel. And it's a great book, but I think a lot of people found it because they enjoyed the movies, and then when they got the movies, they all of a sudden wanted to explore further into the character. So I hope the same happens for Agatha Christie's works as well. Yeah. I mean, and uh, yeah, my father exposed me to uh, Ian Fleming when I was about seven 
<laughs> oh wow, good, good guy. No, I mean he liked us to read. He wanted us. If we're interested, um, I think the first Bond movie I saw was it was one of the Roger Moore's. I can't remember which one, but Funny. but um, I liked it, and so my dad got me the book. <laughs> That's what That's he always awesome. did. <laughs> Yeah, when I was a teenager, I read every single Ian Fleming one, and I've since read them a couple times again, and then I've seen all the movies at least a dozen times. So I'm a big fan. I know the character very well. Oh, and like I said, that would be a dream come true to one day have the opportunity to either portray Bond or be in a Bond film. It would just be incredible. Yeah, just think you could be a great bad guy. They're well, the, they have the most fun. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, any way to be involved in that franchise would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, a lot of Americans play bad guys in Bond movies, so you'd have a shot. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of Americans have been auditioned for Bond as well. Yeah, yeah. And they've had non-British play him. George Lazenby was from Australia, and I'm from Canada. So, I mean, that would be really interesting to even look at that. Yeah. And if you've seen some of my pictures online, I've had a lot of people actually comment that I do look like I could do it. So it would be wonderful to even get the chance to audition. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it, that's a, that's like winning the lottery for an actor. But uh, it's just a franchise I enjoy. And, and uh, I think that, um, no kidding, we could give Tom Cruise a run for his money and Jason Bourne and John Wick and Jack Ryan. I think, <laughs> again, Bond invented that genre. It's now maybe time that we set the pace and, and show them that we're still the leaders. It's funny because if you look at the Bond series, it changes every... Every time there's a new person, and sometimes, uh, like, I thought, I, I, and he was really heavily criticized, but I love Timothy Dalton as Bond, both yeah. ones he did. And, yet, and Timothy was very close to the books. Too. Yes, he was, very close he was and written. that was it. I mean, he was, he was pretty much a Sean Connery and Cra um, Daniel Craig kind of character. And yep, definitely. And yet he got ripped to pieces. Well, I think that the thing that was interesting is Daniel Craig and he were very similar, even in terms of the approach to the character and the violence and the, the sophistication that they brought, the grittiness to it. But I think that the audience wasn't just quite ready for, for Timothy when he arrived. But um, I'm a big fan of his movies, too. I, you know, some people think that License to Kill was one of the best Bond movies ever made. It was so now, brilliant. I, I, I'm not sure what the best is I think it depends what you're looking for I love that movie though and I love Timothy but I think he did you're right he didn't get kind of a fair evaluation of it and then you know he never got to carry on beyond two movies I think if he had done GoldenEye I think we would have had a very interesting view of Timothy and GoldenEye but hey the, the way it happened is the way it happened and we're thankful for and I love Pierce and I love Pierce I love oh 100% yeah and I thought he did a great job in GoldenEye and all the ones that he did. But I'm, no, I'm just saying, I just it's just like Pierce getting uh, let go because he was quote unquote too old. <laughs> and well, if you, that, that's, kind of, that, that's partially why, but also they did have some troubles with Die Another Day, and um, it it definitely did not perform like they'd hoped, and there was a lot of criticisms around there, but. You know, I, I think here's the problem is that whenever you're making a movie, you're making it as a collaboration. And there's many people involved. Like even me, when I'm on a movie set, like sometimes I feel like I give my very best take and it's awesome. But once that's wrapped and it's in the hands of the editor, I've got zero control. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it, it's interesting. I was reading the other 
day, and I, I just lost the name of the actress in my brain, but they were criticizing her, and, and she was a young kid. She was 13, and they were talking about her at the Razzie Awards, that she just did such a terrible job, and that's such a heartbreaking thing, because, number one, you shouldn't be criticizing a kid, no. right? No, uh, Or Rotten Tomatoes, or whoever it was. I can't remember who it was now, but they were, you shouldn't be criticizing a kid. But it also shows that they don't understand how movies are made, because that kid is doing the best she can with a script that she did not write, performing for an, a, a director who's got his own opinions, and you've got all kinds of other actors that are contributing that either bring out her best game or don't bring out her best game, and then, like I said, it goes to the editing room. And so I think we've got to be gentle and understand that, you know, an a- actor is is also kind of a, what's the word that I want to use, um, almost, again, a collaboration of everything that's going on, and sometimes our best stuff does not make it. Yeah. To the film, and right? from the cutting room floor. I mean, you do your, you do great work, and they cut it. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's happened to me. Like it's been so funny. Uh, like I, I don't always like to watch the movies I'm involved in, mostly because I'm busy. It's not because I have a vendetta against small movies. In fact, it's funny. My mom once said to me that I, I'm on TV more than I watch it. But um, the thing that I guess sometimes is hard for me is if I feel like I did a really great performance and I'm pleased with it and I'm happy with it and I put in a lot of work. Now, you got to remember, I don't just show up on set. Sometimes I've been practicing this character for months and months. He's been a part of my life, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's so frustrating when all of a sudden you see what they decided to use and it wasn't your best stuff, right? They selected something that, to you, personally, doesn't make sense. Well, maybe for the film it, it serves the story better or maybe it's something that the director, just something about it he likes better, but sometimes you don't like it better, and it, it can be really, really painful at times. I don't remember what the um, the mean award that the Harvard Hasty Pudding people give out, but <laughs> but There's it's a couple a ri- mean awards. But I know what you're talking. But about. it's for actors, and um, yeah. And uh, one year, Natalie Wood was uh, given the award as the worst actress in this in this award. I can't remember, and she showed up. They never showed up, yeah. and she showed up, yeah. and she she because she had a great sense of humor and she was really smart, and yeah. she uh, she says, well, it's really interesting. You gave me this award as worst actress, and yet I was nominated for best actress. Sort of doesn't even out, does it? <laughs> well, you put them both on the shelf next to each other, and then here's the other thing too is, and, and this is hard for an actor, but you've got to remember that any judgments that are being made are someone's opinion. It doesn't. Have I mean it's true it doesn't mean it's false and you know I got some advice one time from somebody I thought was pretty good he said when people are singing your praises don't believe it all when someone's saying that you're negative or they don't like what you're doing don't believe it all because uh, the reality is, is it's always in the middle somewhere is what's true right I know but I just and, think it was this, her sense of humor I think she was being funny yeah and I, <laughs> and I think that's the great that she's got the courage to face that head on and I don't think a lot of people would so Kudos to her for doing that, but um, we, you know, as actors, it's 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 difficult because not only are we artists, and we've got that sort of emotional connection to our art, like what we what we create, it's it's almost like it's one of our children, right? Mm-hmm. So we, it, it's really it, it's really kind of tough in that regard. But I think also at the same token, you know, as actors, many of us, because we have that artist in us, we have our emotions are very close. On, on, the, on the surface, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, we just got to remember they're people, and I, I think we've got to be gentle with each other, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just, 
that's the whole point of what I was saying. It's just, you know, people like to judge people. And, they do indeed. And I just don't think it's nice. I don't think it's fair. Um, yeah. Because, like I was saying about Timothy Dalton, I thought he was a great Bond. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a fine actor, and he plays a lot of really good bad guys nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. That's definitely true. Yeah, he was a bad guy in 1923. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, with Harrison yeah, I, Ford I and Hill Mirren. Yeah, he's great. He's great. So, yeah, he's he's fine. I'm not worried about him. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I I just I was just saying that I just didn't think it was fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, movies are fun and I think that's the the big thing too that all of us as actors like aside from what, you know, critics say and what the awards ceremonies say, one of our biggest things that you know, speaking for myself and some of my friends that I've had this conversation with, we're honored to be in an industry where we can provide so much joy and entertainment to people and where we can help people sometimes escape things that uh, maybe they don't want to, you know, like during the pandemic, I think, you know, a lot of the films and cinemas, they, they help people really kind of get through some moments like that. Now, I'm not saying all the movies that were out there were inspirational, but they, they kept us thinking, uh, you know, not thinking about the things that were really terrible going on at the time. And, and, and I'm grateful to be part of that. And it's been a blessing to have people come up and say that they've enjoyed films that we've also worked hard on put our efforts and energies into because sometimes again because it's creativity it doesn't always land so it is a really cool feeling when you've got things that do connect with people and so I'm, I'm just grateful for that yeah I, I agree I think it's really something and the thing is I think that the reason we all sort of wallowed in books and movies and TV shows just to escape the horrors of what was going on during the pandemic was it, it it was that it was to escape it was just a you know a way to be away just for a little while from what what the news and what what was being we were being bombarded by you know um that's why they're grateful that's why they say thank you yeah absolutely absolutely for sure yeah definitely well you know what I mean, it's um, it's something we hope doesn't come back again. Right? Yeah, I know. Um, so I wanted to know about what you have coming up. Oh, actually, um, and thank you for asking. I've actually got some really fun stuff coming up. So um, probably the the one that I'm excited about the most is coming up is How to Be a Hitman 101. Uh, we've already shot some of it, and there's actually some stuff that's even leaked online, so you can find that even if you just Google How to Be a Hitman 101. You'll find some videos that we've done on YouTube and a lot of behind-the-scenes imagery. I've also got um, Big Cats, which is a scary movie that I'm heading over to London to do uh, uh, at the beginning of May. I think that's when it is, beginning of May. And then I've also got um, another scary movie I'm doing called The Lurker, where I'm playing a police officer hunting a suspect in that. Uh, that'll be shot in Toronto, Canada. And I'm doing that uh, actually just two or three weeks from now I'll be down there.
their very first scary movie. That's kind of cool. So from Hallmark to Fear, and it's called Tenant, like as in a, a tenant in an apartment. So we're doing that also um, in April. We're getting to work on that one. And yeah, it's pretty cool. But there's also one that I'm really excited about, uh, the, the TV series that I've been cast in um, called Operation Majestic. And it's got a very similar to X-Files kind of feel, like UFO conspiracy stuff. And uh, I think it's it's great, and it's kind of perfect timing if you think about kind of all the stuff they've been shooting down lately. So it's really cool, cool times, that's for sure. Oh, and the, what do they call it? The Tic Tacs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. They, well, they, it's good times, right? Like yeah. Lots of great stuff coming. And as I mentioned as well, um, you know, earlier, is that now that – um, you know, people are, you know, went through COVID. Everybody built nice home theater systems at home, so the streaming services are just really looking for content. So it's a it's a great time to be involved in movies, and um, we're very excited. I think that's really great. And um, do you have any events that are coming up that you want to let people know about? Um, well, I'll be at uh, an awards ceremony on Sunday. Um, other than that, I'm not really doing a lot of events. Um, I think they've got a couple of fan expos where I go out and, and sign autographs and things, and that like at comic conventions and things of that nature. But I'll be honest, I don't have my schedule right in front of me, so I can't remember where they are. I just know I've got a few that I'm doing coming up, and uh, that'll really be fun. We always enjoy those because it gives me a chance to get to to meet people one-on-one and connect with them. So I'm just, I really love doing those kind of events. They're always fun. Yeah, there's one that's in Los Angeles where they have like an autograph show. That's always really fun to go to. Yeah, yeah I do quite a few of those. I really find those fun. And uh, it's always good to meet people and see kind of how they've enjoyed certain films. And It's just always a fun time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for the fans too. We, we I love going to those. Um, especially if it's like an older actor, I get, you know, those are the ones that you just like, you want to get to before they're gone. <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah, definitely. I, I understand that. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I mean, I go to all the different people, but I'm just saying like, um, the late Tony Curtis, I got his, uh, talked to him, had a really nice conversation and, uh, but it was only about six months before he passed. Oh, I've always liked him too. Yeah, he was really nice. I mean, friendly. Not he was really just really a nice guy. He mostly wanted to talk about his painting. (laughs) Oh, I see. Well, I'm glad you had a good experience with him. I've always enjoyed his shows. Me too. Um, Do you have a website, Douglas? Yeah, um, the best is just uh, www.douglasvermeeren.com. And you can actually even uh, use that on most of the social media, yes, so Instagram as well. In fact, um, on Instagram and TikTok, which I just started, so I'm pretty new to TikTok, but we just, just um, we put a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. So if you like to, you know, learn more about the films we're doing and see some behind-the-scenes videos and some uh, artwork and photos and all that stuff, that's a really great place to do it. We've got lots of cool stuff there. And what's your what's your handle again on Instagram and TikTok? Is, is it just also your name? Douglas Vermeeren. Yes. Oh, it's, it's Douglas Vermeeren. I think on TikTok it's Douglas Vermeeren actor. I think is what it is. Okay. And on yeah. Instagram? Instagram is just Douglas Vermeeren. Okay. And are you on Twitter or Facebook? Uh, I am on Twitter. I think Twitter. <laughs> Excuse me. I want to say at 
Doug Vermeeren, and then um, Facebook is just Douglas Vermeeren as well. Okay. Um, we're out of time. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day. I know you're really busy, and I really appreciate it. Well, we had fun, and I enjoyed the conversation with you. Oh, Always fun talking about movies, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate it. I look forward to connecting again. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank you.